Well, God bless you guys. Welcome to Swerve Church um, once again. So glad that you guys decided to join us on this rainy, uh, kind of muggy, cloudy morning. Man, but I'm just so thankful that you are here. Hope you guys are enjoying your morning so far. And I'm really excited to be jumping into today's um, message. I'll try to speak up because I know the fan is a little loud. See, last week was a little cooler. We didn't really need the fan. This week we had to whip it out. So I'll try to speak up so you guys can hear me, especially in the back. I know it's a little bit difficult. So this Thursday, right, when I went to pick up my daughter, I went to pick her up from school. And when I saw her, it was the cutest thing. She had this paper crown, like stapled like around her head, right? And it had all these stars scribbled all over, all over. And in big, bold letters, it said, Math Story Champion. That's what she had on, on her head. It was stapled around her head. And she was so excited to share with me that she earned it in class because she was answering all the math problems. So whenever the teacher asked a question, she would answer the math problem. So she had this big old you know, piece of paper wrapped around her head that said, Math Story Champion. She was so proud and she was so excited to share because she had this really, really good news that she wanted to share with her dad. Like, who doesn't love to share good news, right? As soon as you hear good news, you want to spread it. You want to share it. You want to tweet about it, right? If you get some good news, you want to write a long Facebook post. You're texting your friends. You're calling your parents because you want to share the good news and you want to, you want to get it out. You want to let somebody know about that good news. But so often, as followers of Jesus, and really with the best news known to man on this side of history, we have the best news, but so often we tend to keep this good news to ourselves. And we don't let other people know about this good news. Now, there's probably a million reasons, and probably a lot of those reasons are going through your head right now. But one of those reasons, I think, is because we tend to believe that sharing this good news is best left to the professionals, right? Like we, we feel like there's these professional pastors, there's these professional you know, evangelists or whatever, and they're the ones that should share the gospel. We'll leave it up to the professionals. You know, that whole sharing the gospel thing, is it's for pastors, it's, it's for church leaders, you know, but, but for the ordinary churchgoer like me, there's no way that you would find me trying to share this good news. I just can't. I'll leave it up to the pastor. Here's a question I want to I ask you guys. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the word minister? What's the first picture that comes to your mind? Like maybe you picture someone like in a suit and a tie with shiny shoes sitting behind a huge pulpit. Or maybe like you picture someone with like a dinosaur-sized Bible under their arm, right? Or, or do you picture someone like in a long white robe and a big funny hat? But what, what comes to your mind when you think of the word minister? I'm going to let you guys know and I'm going to be completely upfront. Here's my goal for today. My goal for each of us that are here today, is that we would leave here today seeing ourselves as ministers of the gospel. I pray that we would see ourselves as stewards of this good news of Jesus Christ, of the gospel. That we would see ourselves commissioned by Jesus himself to share God's love with others. Because here's our big idea. If you're taking notes inside your bulletin, there's some talk notes. I would love for you to take that out. There's some fill in the blanks there. And here's our big idea. We are ministers of good news. We are ministers of good news. And so we've been in the series in the book of Ephesians. And we're going to pick it up right where Stephen left off last week. And we're going to jump in right in verse 7. I would love for you guys to see what Paul says in verses 7 and 8. Look what he says. 
I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. This grace was given to me the least of all the saints to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ. Now, right off the bat, it stuck out to me. I don't know if you guys caught it. In verse 7, take your pens. Would you guys just underline or circle the word servant right there in verse 7? That word, the word servant, comes from a Greek word translated diakonos. And here's what it means. It literally means this. Someone who executes the demands of another. A servant or a minister. In fact, we're reading out of the CSB today and it's translated servant. Some of your translations, if you have your Bible with you, might say minister. Those two words are interchangeable there. And what Paul is saying is that he is a servant. He's a diakonos. He is someone who executes the demands of another. You see, Paul is calling himself a minister or servant of the gospel of Jesus by the gift of God's grace. And this is amazing because you guys have to remember Paul's story. Right? Stephen mentioned it last week. He reminded us of his story. We all have a story before Christ. And Paul is not like any of us. He, he was a religious and a zealous leader who sought not only to persecute Christians, but he would really stop at nothing to exterminate or to execute Christians. He hated the followers of Jesus. And he would stop at nothing to put an end to the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now that is until he encountered Jesus. He had this radical encounter with Jesus where he hears the voice of Jesus and, and ultimately he places his, he surrenders it all. He surrenders his life. We just finished singing, Lord, I surrender all to you, right? We surrender our life. Paul said, I surrendered his life to the Lordship of Jesus. And he goes from being a persecutor of Christians to get this, to a disciple-making church planter. Talk about a radical transformation. Paul goes from killing Christians to making Christians, right? And this is why he says in verse 7, if you guys caught it, let me try to go back. In verse 7, he says that it was a gift of, the, of God's grace that was given to him by the working of his power. Not by Paul's power, but by the power of God. By the power of God. So what is a minister? Paul calls himself a minister, a servant of the gospel. That's pretty obvious. But what is a minister? Well, a minister, it's a servant or official charged with an area of responsibility. Paul saw himself with this charge to share the gospel with whoever he could. And it's my hope today that you guys would all begin to see yourself, that we would be all begin to see ourselves also as ministers. Think about this for a second. Does it hurt you that you have friends, that you have family members and co-workers and, and even neighbors that live close to you who are far from God? Does that hurt you? Does that break your heart? I mean, you know, you're here today and you've experienced this great joy and you've experienced this great hope in Jesus. But guys, there's many around you, innumerable people around you that have not experienced the hope and the faith that you have found in Jesus Christ because they don't have Jesus. There's people all around you that are hurting. If I'm honest, I, when I, find my, I find myself many times numb to the pain. If I'm completely honest with you guys, 
Many times I simply just shrug it off and, and I'm just oblivious to the fact that there's people all around me that are simply, that, that their eternity is in the balance. I just shrug it off. And this is why so often we pray the prayer here. We pray it all the time. God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Break our heart for what breaks yours. In fact, there's this moment in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, when Jesus is walking around with his disciples and he looks at the masses and he looks at the crowd and what he sees is people that are hurt, people that are broken, people that are without hope and without faith. And it breaks his heart. In fact, it's there in your notes. We can read it. It's in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. It says this, when he, that's Jesus, saw the crowds, he had what? What does that word say? Say it out loud. He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I would love for you guys to circle the word compassion right there in verse 36. Is that the reaction that you get when you see all the people, the family, the co-workers, the friends, your neighbors that are without God, without hope, without faith? Do you have compassion for them? You see, Jesus looked out at this crowd and he realized that they were sheep without a shepherd. Or maybe for the context that we're talking about today, he saw they were people without a minister. They were confused. They were helpless. In fact, another version, maybe your version of the Bible says that they were weary and cast away. Do you know people like that? Do you know people that are confused and helpless? Do you have neighbors and friends and co-workers that are weary and cast away? Because they're without hope and without faith. In fact, it's so moved the heart of Jesus that he would go on and, and tell his disciples this. In verse 37 and 38, you also have it there in your notes. He said this, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. The harvest is great. There's hearts that are ready. There's people that are ready. There's people that God has called out, that God has ordained to come unto himself. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is great. But you know what? The workers are few. Look what Jesus says in verse 38. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask Him to send more workers into His fields. This is what breaks the heart of Jesus. And let me ask you guys a question. What if, what if you were an answer to this prayer of Jesus and the disciples? What if you just read this prayer from Jesus, the very words of Jesus, and you guys here would be an answer to that prayer? What if, like Paul, you began to view yourself as a minister of good news? You know, as a church planter and as someone that's from this community, that I'm from here, from Bushwick, my heart breaks, man. My heart breaks to see so many people far from God in this community. 120,000 people in less than two square miles. Huge percentage of them are lost without hope and without faith. Man, so many people far from God choosing a life of self-glorification, self-gratification, of self-destruction. And it's my prayer that it would break your heart as well. You know why? Because I've been praying that God would send more workers into the Bushwick field. Into the field here in this neighborhood. That people are so far from God and so broken. It's been my prayer. The same prayer that Jesus prayed. God, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. 
So God sent laborers into the Bushwick field. And I believe that you all are here in some way, some form, an answer to that prayer. But maybe you're here, you're sitting here, and you're thinking to yourself, me, a minister? I have no training. I'm not qualified. There's no way that you can call me that, a servant or or, or, or a minister. You know, at least Paul was a scholar. Right? He was a scholar. He, he knew the Bible. At least he was super educated. But you know what's interesting is that Paul didn't think that about himself. Did you guys catch what he said in verse 8? He said, this grace was given to me the least of all the saints. See, maybe you have more in common with Paul than you think. Paul considered himself the least of all the saints. But while having those thoughts about himself, he still acknowledged that he was called by God's gift of grace to be a minister and servant of the gospel. And that's all that we have to hope for, honestly. That's all we have to hope for, God's gift of grace. Because we must utterly depend on God's gift of grace to fulfill our God-given purpose. Because, I hate to break it to you, but you can't fulfill it out of your own power, out of your own ability. It's only by God's gift of grace. Let me encourage you guys a little bit more. If you're here and you're like, no way, I'm not a minister. There's no way that God can call me to do any of this. Let me encourage you a little bit more. When it came to spreading the most important message of all time, the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is the most important message in the universe. Who do you think Jesus chose to be the mouthpieces? You would think that he might have chose some lawyers. Maybe he would have chose some doctors or some officials. You might think he would have chosen some highly trained, some highly educated people. But instead, you know who he chose? He chose ordinary, uneducated men. Men without any attributes to the outside world that would make them worthy of distributing and carrying such an important message. In fact, after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, the disciples of Jesus began spreading this message, spreading the gospel. In fact, they were uh, performing miracles. People that were, were sick were getting healed, and the gospel was going forth. People were coming to faith left and right. Miracles were happening. And it left everyone to have to pick their jaws off the floor. Because what they saw were these guys, and there's no way. These guys are doing all this? In fact, look what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, talking in particular about Peter and John. When all the people and all the religious leaders, it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were what? They were unschooled. And they were what? They were ordinary men. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The only thing that could distinguish them was that they had been with Jesus. So, are you considering yourself a minister of the gospel yet? Does this encourage you yet? Listen, you don't need a certificate, you don't need a degree, you don't need 10 years of Bible college. All that stuff is great and it's awesome. And, and definitely, if you have a calling, you should pursue it. You don't need a priest's robe <laughs> to be a minister of the gospel. Like Paul, to be a minister, a servant of the gospel... All you need is God's gift of grace. And guess what? Everyone here today, guess what? You have access to it. You, you have access to God's gift of grace right here, right now, today. You have access to God's gift of grace through Jesus. So what do we do now? I hope I've convinced you. 
You know, we're ministers of this good news. So what's next? How do we minister? What does that mean, Danny? Do I just go start spraying people with holy water? Do I just anoint people with oil? What do I do as a minister? What do I do? What do we do as servants and ministers of the gospel? How can we reach those that are around us, those friends, those neighbors, those co-workers, those family members that are far from God that you care about? How can we reach those around us that we love and want to see changed by the power of Jesus? Here's what we're going to do for the rest of our time. Three things that I'm going to suggest that we can do as ministers of the gospel as we continue in the rest of our passage today, okay? From the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Here's the first thing. You got your pens ready? Here's what you're going to write down. Number one is this, proclaim. Proclaim. This is the way Paul says it. We're going to reread verse 8. He says this. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ. Just underline the word proclaim right there. Because the first thing that we get to do as servants and ministers of the gospel is proclaim the incalculable riches of Jesus. Proclaiming, what is that? What does that mean? Does it mean you stand on a soapbox in the corner and, and yell at people? It doesn't mean that necessarily. Proclaiming is simply sharing the great gift of God's love that we have experienced through Jesus with someone else. That's what it means. It gets back to what we first talked about. When I first started talking about Melody and her good news and wanting to share how she was the Mass Story champion, whenever you have good news, you want to automatically share it with someone, right? You want to share that experience. When you experience so much love, when you experience so much mercy, when you experience so much forgiveness through Christ, when you all of a sudden you have all this purpose poured into you, then you want to share that good news with someone else. You want to share that news with others. Now, the moment I said proclaim, I sensed it in this room. Your palms started getting sweaty. Your heart started beating faster. Your eyes started twitching, right? Because you're thinking to yourself, Danny, do you mean I have to open my mouth and talk to people and share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone else? You mean, you mean I have to talk to somebody and I have to tell them? There's no way I can do it. There's no way I can. No way. Relax. Take a deep breath. Breathe in. Breathe out. You're going to be okay. Because I'm going to give you some practical ways that you can proclaim the good news. Or, or at the very least, that it can position you in the best place where you can you know, share this good news. Because after all, we have the best news of all of history. We have the best, the greatest news of all of history. And, and a life of Jesus has the greatest ramifications. So as ministers of the gospel, we want to share. So here's what you can do, okay? Here's the first thing in your notes. Be kind. Be kind. Like just be kind to people around you. Because there's nothing worse than a miserable Christian, right? We all know them. They walk around with a frown on their face. right? They're always sad, mad, or upset. right? There's nothing worse than a miserable Christian. But if you're kind to people, you may just earn your right to be heard by them. If you treat people nicely, you treat them kindly, then people might just want to know what you got to say. So be kind to people. In fact, one of the outreaches that we do here, uh, we call it servant evangelism. Some people call it kindness outreach. We're going to be doing it in a couple weeks, and I would love to invite you guys to join us. We'll stand on the corner, and we'll hand out M&Ms and invite cards. All right, the invite cards, is pretty obvious why we do that. We want, we'd love for them to come to church and join us, but we pass out the M&Ms. Why? We want to sweeten their lives a little bit. And we want to put a smile on somebody's face. 
Everybody in New York City is walking around so hurried and busy and stressed out. If I could stop you for a second and put a smile on your face, then I think I've just served you. And so that's one of the things we do is kindness outreach projects like that to invite people to church. Here's the next thing you can do. <coughs> Build relationships. Build relationships. Relationship is key, guys, because in the context of relationship, there's a voice that you can develop and there's conversations that you can have, even of spiritual matters, are, even spiritual matters are more natural and they're more acceptable if you know the person, if you have a relationship. Think about that friend, think about that cousin that you have that you can share pretty much any secret with, right? Because you have all the confidence in them. Or, or you'll tell them off, right? If it's for their benefit, because you have that relationship with them. Build relationships with those that are around you. Guys, this is why life groups is so important. Not just because of the food. The food is great. But it's because we are building relationships. And in the context of relationships, we can share our faith with others. So do you know your neighbors? Do you know them? Do you know them by name? Do you welcome people into your home for dinner? Do you invite them over for coffee to build that relationship? What are you doing to intentionally build relationships with others? Because in the context of relationships, it's just that much easier to be able to share your faith. Here's the next thing. What's your story? Because everyone here has a story. What's yours? You know, perhaps you were living a senseless and destructive life, heading towards destruction until God got a hold of your life. But regardless of how dramatic of an experience you had when you came to know Christ, we were all in the same boat. And that is that we were all heading to eternal destruction apart from Christ. We were all without hope. We were all heading towards eternal destruction. That is until Jesus in His great love gave up His life so that we can experience life and life to the full. And so we all have that story to share. What's your story? And here's the last thing. There's probably a million more things that we can talk about, but here's one more thing. Invite. You can invite. Invite your friends, invite your neighbors, invite your coworkers or your family. Invite them to come to church with you. This is why we work so hard, literally break our backs, to set up church and set up the bagels and the coffee in the back. And we have a fun and interactive program for the kids. And, and, and we try to set everything up. But our services are intentionally only an hour long because it's difficult for people to stay much focused much longer than that. Why? So that you can invite people in so that they can hear the gospel preached. And here's my promise to you guys that every week, every Sunday, week in and week out, we will teach the Bible and we will preach the gospel. That's what we're going to do every Sunday. So you can be sure that when you invite friends, neighbors, family members to come with you to church, they're going to hear the gospel preached. And they'll have an opportunity to respond to the gospel. So here's just some things that we can do. We can be kind, you can build relationship, share your story, and you can invite people with you to church. And so Paul is talking about that he's a minister, he's a servant of the gospel. One of the ways that we're servants of the, or ministers of the gospel is by proclaiming. Here's the next thing, number two in your, night, in your notes, is to shed light on the mystery. Shed light on the mystery. This is the way Paul says it in verses 9 to 11. You have it there in your notes. And to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom 
may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, as ministers and servants of the gospel, you can shed light on this mystery. What's the mystery? What is it? Well, it's no longer a mystery to you. You know the mystery. It's the mystery of the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. What is this mystery? That we were all dead in our sin and our trespasses. And before a holy God, we fell incredibly short and we were without hope and without despair. But God in His infinite love for us, He did not simply stand back with His arms crossed. No, instead, love came down. God put on flesh in the person of Jesus. Creator enters creation. And the Bible says that the penalty for our sin is death. That is the penalty. But Jesus comes and pays the price and picks up our penalty. He dies on a cross. But He not only dies in our place, He crushes the head of Satan. He conquers Satan's sin and death and He rises from the grave. And in His death, you experience forgiveness of sin and in His life, you can experience newness of life. That's the gospel. That's the mystery that Paul is talking about that has been revealed to us. And our job as ministers of good news is just to shed light. Shed light. And isn't this good news, guys? You see, it's not your job to save anyone. You can't save anyone. It's not your job to save anyone. That's God's job. The moment we think that somebody else's eternity is in our hands, we assume the position of God. It's God's job. All we get to do is shed light. We shed light. People without Jesus are living in darkness. And our job is just to shed a little bit of light. And if you're here today and you're without Jesus and you haven't made a decision to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior, then you are in darkness. And it's my job, what I'm trying to do, is shed light and ultimately point you to the, to the ultimate light, Jesus Christ. By the way, if you're only shedding light, then you don't have to put the pressure on yourself. Or you don't have to seal the deal, right? You're only shedding light. Each time you talk to that friend, every time you have that, that spiritual conversation with that family member or that co-worker, you're just shedding a little more light. You're just shedding a little more light. And as ministers of the gospel, God is using you to shed light on the mystery of the gospel. Alright, so we can proclaim as servants and ministers. I hope you guys are seeing yourselves as ministers of the gospel. You get to proclaim. You get to shed light. And here's number three. We're almost done. Be bold and confident. Be bold and confident. Look how he said it in verse 12. He says this. In fact, let's read it together. Right? Let's read it nice and loud. Alright, you ready? Read. In Him we have boldness and confident access through faith in Him. Alright, this time, let's read it with boldness and confidence. Alright, ready? Go. In Him, we have boldness and confident access through faith in Him. Look at you guys. Awesome. Alright, we are bold and confident. As ministers of the gospel, we can be bold and confident. Not in our own abilities. Okay? Not in your skills. Instead, we have boldness and confidence because we have access to the Father through Jesus. So be bold and be confident as you proclaim and as you shed light and as you share the hope that we have in Jesus, as you share your story and as you proclaim, 
Be bold and be confident. Have confidence knowing that Jesus loves those in your relational circle more than you ever could. Be bold and be confident to know that Jesus loves the people of this community in Bushwick more than you and I ever could. In fact, it's God's heart to seek and save the lost is what God's word tells us, right? It's his heart, not that any would perish, but that many would come to repentance. That's God's heart. So realize, be bold and confident in the fact that Jesus loves people more than you ever could. But what if you feel like you simply can't? What if you just, you know, you, you feel like you just can't do it? Can't proclaim, you can't share your story, you simply can't do it. What if you don't feel that boldness and that confidence? You read the verse, you read it out loud, you wrote it down in your notes, but then I don't feel that boldness, I don't feel that confidence. Then do what Peter and the disciples did. You see, Peter and John, they were openly proclaiming the gospel. This is after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. They're proclaiming the gospel, and the religious leaders wanted to hang them for it. They wanted their heads. Of course, they hated that they were doing this. They jailed them, they tortured them, they flogged them, they threatened their lives, they put their lives on the line. So how did Peter and John respond? It's there in your notes in Acts chapter 4, verse 29. It says this, And now, Lord... Consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all what? With all with all boldness. What did they do? They prayed. They prayed. They prayed, God, give us boldness. Jesus, give us boldness in order to be able to proclaim your message and to be able to proclaim your word. And this is how we're going to end today, guys. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, then I'm praying for boldness and confidence for you to make the decision today to put your faith in Jesus. If you're here today and you haven't made that decision, then that's my prayer for you. To be bold and to be confident to take that step of faith and to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And for the rest of us, I pray that we will be full of boldness and confidence as ministers and as servants of good news to share it with those around us. That's my prayer for you guys today. And I hope you guys will pray with me. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, I pray for those that are on the threshold of faith. I pray that your spirit would fill them with boldness and confidence to surrender to you. God, I thank you for your gift of grace in Jesus. And I pray us, Lord, that we would be bold and confident ministers of the gospel. Give us the grace to build relationships, to show God's love, to share our story with those that we love and care for, and to invite others into community so that they may have a chance to respond to the gospel. Lord, I pray that we would all see ourselves as ministers and servants of the gospel. So, Lord, give us boldness. Lord, give us confidence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.